Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. My name is Jason Warren Griffiths. Um, I'd like to first and foremost say I am really glad you're here. And look at this weather. Is it summer again? What's going on? This is ridiculous. Uh, Thank you for giving us your time, and I'm so glad that everyone's back in the same room, and we're going to worship Jesus today. We're in a series on 2 Thessalonians, and it's about gratitude. Um, got a couple announcements. One of them is Gil turns 90 today. Gil, where are you? He says, no, I don't. I've been misinformed. Do you, Gil, do you turn 90 today? Gil, do you turn 90 today? He's exaggerating. He's exaggerating. Every, every, he's turned, he gets carded everywhere still. Okay, uh, just for time's sake, we're just going to yell happy birthday on three. One, two, three. Happy birthday. Okay, good job. Um, Gil, that's right. <laughs> um, this afternoon, Trellis. Today is National Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. Trellis is this awesome organization that, that's located in Costa Mesa, and it's uniting the church to combat the issues that are hitting the city. And so it's, it's headed up by a guy named Ian Stevenson. He's vis- visited this congregation since, since I've started. Um, it's an amazing, amazing organization. And we hosted actually a prayer service for the chaplains of the fire and police department for all the city leaders and all the pastors just this past Thursday. This today... This is at Grace Fellowship in Costa Mesa. It's over uh, off Red Hill. It's on Red Hill. I'm going to be over there. So if anybody's got some free, uh, free two hours, it's 4 to 6 p.m. this afternoon. We're going to be gathering together. I'm hoping they have a really good worship band. It's a couple brothers called the Owen Brothers, and they're the Pawn Shop Kings, and they do harmonies. You know, they, they're ridiculous. They're pretty darn good. They're no, they're no Danny or Cornell, but they're getting close. You know what I mean? We've got to pray for the other churches, you know. Uh, anyway, we have another one that's in your bulletins, the shoebox thing's coming up. So just keep note of that. And then um, today is actually the, the day the church is celebrating the veterans, the veterans of our country. If you've served in any one of the branches of the service, would you please stand right now? Thank you for your service on behalf of everybody in here, and thank you for, to, for keeping this country free that we might, we might worship and serve Christ. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord and make sure you pass at some point during the worship service those community books. Please remain standing, if, or if you're still standing. If you're not standing, please stand with me as I lead us in our call to worship. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Let us worship the Lord with everything we've got. Standing on the 
seated and send the kids up. Good morning. So Carrie asked me if I would share a little bit of our, about our recent trip to Nepal, but she didn't give me a timeline, so I just wanted to let you know that the service will be ending at 2 o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> Lunch will be served during intermission. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm going to go as fast as I can. So Nepal, where's Nepal? Who knows where Nepal is? Nobody. Why would you go to Nepal? Anybody have an idea? Nepal is a little country. What? Bible translation. That's a good one. Mine isn't as good as that. <laughs> Nepal is a little country by India. Have you heard of that one? And China. Have you heard of that one? We went to a specific area of Nepal. Three of us from this church went together. John, my husband, me, I miss Judy, and uh, Everly's OB, Everly's grandma, Miss Erlinda went also. We went to an area of Nepal. Show the kids. This is an area called the, the Himalayas. They, we pronounce it that way. They pronounce it Himalaya. Can you say that? Himalaya. The Himalaya mountain range. We went there to an area called Annapurna. Can you say that one? Annapurna. And we went there specifically because I love to hike. Raise your hand if you love to hike. I love to hike. And there's really hard hiking there. Because it's in big, tall mountains. See the snow? There's snow all the time there because it's very, very big and tall. So I wanted to read a scripture for you. It's from Genesis 21, verse 31. It says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array, which means God made it really beautiful, our creation. So I wanted to go see some of it. So I, I did a slideshow. Should they scoot over to the... You want to scoot or turn around? or Okay, so I'm going to read you another one. This scripture is from Psalm 121, 1 and 2. It says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And now I'm just going to kind of go through some of these slides for you. This is me at Annapurna Base Camp looking at these beautiful mountains God made. This is us flying there. Look at those mountains. We're up over the clouds, and the mountains are taller because God made them so amazing. And that is a part of Annapurna called Annapurna South. This is me while I'm hiking. This isn't a picture of me. It's a picture I took. Well, I'm not quite that big. While I'm hiking, and I'm going closer and closer to these giant mountains. Aren't they beautiful? And here's Miss Erlinda. That's Everly's grandma. And we are at a lodge. Look at the big, beautiful flowers, the marigolds, and the big mountains in the background. While we were hiking, we saw waterfalls. Do you like waterfalls? They're beautiful. They're fresh. The water was so fresh, we put our hands in, and our hands felt soft for a really long time because it's such clear, beautiful, snow-melted water. We had to walk over this suspension bridge. We did two of these. How, does that look scary? Yeah. It was scary. I'll tell you. You know why? Because I was on it. You see the ones that go across? So they go this way, but then they go across that way. I stepped over here on one, one end went up. I was like, oh, let me stand in the middle. <laughs> that was kind of scary. The, the nails were, I don't know, maybe old. Yikes. We had to do that twice over Raging River. And then we had to come up. Look at that up. 
This is one little teeny piece of the up. That's where we came down the next day. Do you see the zigzag? That's all stairs. It took us an hour to get down the stairs. And then we had to go up another set for another hour of up. And that's what it looks like. There we are hiking. Isn't it beautiful, though? <laughs> God made this beautiful, beautiful uh, planet for us to enjoy. I learned two things on this hike. One was that it was more beautiful there than I expected it to be. And the other was that, honestly, the hike was easier than I thought it would be. So I was kind of glad, except now I want to go back and do a harder one. So this is one of the lodges we stayed at. We stayed every night at these beautiful lodges. There we are all at happy hour, eating popcorn and some wonderful appetizer, sitting by the fire, getting warm, because in the day it was warm. But man, when that sun went down up there in the mountains, we got cold fast. And they took great care of us in the lodges. One morning, we had breakfast right there, looking at that mountain, and I thought it would be really cold, because morning, right? But the minute that sun comes up, we're so high up and so close to the mountains and so close to the sun that we warmed right up. And then we decided we didn't get close enough to the mountains on our hike, and Mr. John really wanted to go on a helicopter. Have you ever been on a helicopter? Yeah, you have? No, maybe someday. So we all decided, John, if you're going to go, we're going to go. So we all went with him, and we took a helicopter ride. And that's looking down from the helicopter through the mountains. And we went to Annapurna Base Camp. That's the, this is a, um, like a little memorial area at the Annapurna Base Camp, and it memorializes everyone who's ever died trying to climb the mountain. It, from where I'm standing right there, if you turn around the other way and look up, you look up, 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 and, I, and you see Annapurna South. And I asked, how long does it take to climb to the top of that from here? Mind you, this is after riding a helicopter all the way up there, right? It takes two more months to get to the top. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want to do that one. So while we were there, there was a big festival for the people who live there, and they have, um, they have a festival called Diwali. It's a five-day festival, and it was really fun. This is the beginning of a design they draw on their doorsteps, and they're everywhere in the, in the city, and even in the little villages, they draw them right in the dirt, and they put candles. I have another picture. They light up Christmas lights all over their house in the city, and we got to, isn't that beautiful? Look at that with the candles all lit. Everywhere you walk, all the doors have those, and it's all decorated as part of one of their religious ceremonies, and uh, there are people dancing and singing in the streets, and everybody just having a really good time in festival. We went to visit a lady in her home. Do you see the lady in the middle in the green dress? She's Nepali. She lives in Nepal, and she put, uh, you might not be able to see it in the picture, but she put a little red dot right here in the middle of our forehead, and I asked, what does that mean? It's called a tika. Can you say that? Tika? And this one was a welcome tika, so like a blessing, a welcome blessing for her visitors, which I thought was really lovely. The people were very, very warm and friendly. 
Here we went down into the jungle after our hike to see the elephants and also the rhinos, which I didn't put a picture in. But this is at the elephant camp where, do you know what a sanctuary is? Does anybody know what a sanctuary is? This is a sanctuary. Does anybody know what a sanctuary for animals is? A place where they take animals that might be mistreated somewhere else to take very good care of them. So we got to make what's called an elephant sandwich, which is a bunch of straw and a whole lot of good stuff that animals need to be healthy. And then we got to feed it to them. And there's Mr. John petting the elephant after feeding him the elephant sandwich. And here we are taking a walk in the jungle. Do you see the elephant ahead of us? There was an elephant in front and two behind, and we walked in the middle down through the jungle. It was really, really fun. Now, one of the things that I learned, because whenever I go on a journey, I always learn something. I think I'm going to have a lot of fun, which I do. I think I'm going to meet some cool and wonderful people, which I do. But I always learn something if I stay open to what God has in store for me. One of the things that I learned in Nepal was something called namaste. Have you ever heard of that? Has anyone ever said that to you? Namaste. So yoga people do that. And I didn't know what it meant until we went to the World Peace Pagoda. And they have a sign that explains namaste. Namaste means I see the divine in you. So what I'm saying when I say namaste to you is I see what God created in you. I see what God sees when he looks at you, and I see God living in you. So when they pass each other on the street, they always say, namaste. So namaste. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And John. John, you were great with the microphone, Judy. <laughs> awesome story. It takes, two, it takes two to make the dream work, you know what I mean? Um, today, uh, our theme is on gratitude. Jason will be speaking here in a little bit. And um, it's interesting, you know, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but it's a very common question in the church that people ask is, um, what's the will of God for my life? And I was pointed to 1 Thessalonians 5.18 a number of years ago, that it's been in the Bible for thousands of years. Uh, it says, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I pondered on that for quite a period of time, and I wondered why would that be the will of God of all things? And then it became clear to me one day that a grateful heart is a perspective that sees good within all circumstances. You know, it's easy to see good when things go the way we want things to go. But everyone sitting here, including myself, has faced challenges. Sometimes physically, sometimes financially, uh, sometimes psychologically or interpersonally, relationally. And when you come across those situations, we find ourselves challenged to be grateful. But it says in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. Why? Because a perception, a mind, a heart that sees what is good within all circumstances can believe for limitless possibilities. In essence, gratitude is the foundation of faith. We talk about faith as this nebulous concept, but it is the system of how God works. And if we want to participate with the system of how God works, we must learn to see good within everything because God is always at work within everything for our good. 
So this isn't just another 12-minute segment of music. Our intention of what we do with worship as we lead towards the message that Jason will deliver and the theme of this service is to center our hearts and minds onto what God is doing in and around you, which is always good for you. Let's be grateful. Amen.
One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelled among men, my example is he. The word became flesh and light dwelled among us his glory revealed living he loved me dying he saved me buried he carried my sin far away rising he justified Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on a tree. Suffering and anguish, despised and rejected. Bearing our sins, my Redeemer is he. The hand that healed nations stretched out on a tree and took the nails for me. Cause living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified freely forever, one day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. Since far away, 
have been buried with Christ in baptism in order that we might be raised to new life with him through faith in the power of God. Trusting in God's grace, let us confess together our sin. Eternal God, in every age you have raised up men and women to live and die in faith. We confess that we are indifferent to your will. You call us to proclaim your name, but we are silent. You call us to do what is just, but we remain idle. You call us to live faithfully, but we are afraid. In your mercy, forgive us. Give us courage to follow in your way, that joined with those from ages past who have served you with faith, hope, and love, 
we may inherit the kingdom you promised in Jesus Christ. Amen. Do not fear, says the Lord, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. God is doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. By the grace of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen.
Beautiful. I love this. Okay, let's open our word just to time's sake. Let's get straight to the scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to read the first five verses, then skip down to the end of the chapter, starting in verse 13. As, the, as to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we beg you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as though from us to the effect of that day of the Lord is already here. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will, will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the lawless one is revealed, the one destined for destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, declaring himself to be God. Do you not remember that I told you these things when I was still with you? Skipping down to verse 13. But we always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, beloved by the Lord, because God shows you as the first fruits for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. For this purpose, He called you through our proclamation of the good news, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus the Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word or mouth or by our letter. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and through grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. This is the word of the Lord. Whoo! Okay, we'll, we'll break this into two sections. The first section Many commentators say it's, it's in the running for one of the most difficult passages in the New Testament. And it's because Paul is looking through a telescope, and through that telescope he's seeing some things that are right there, like right in his purview, and then some things that are going to come. And it's muddy where... And that's why the lectionary, I, I follow the lectionary. Does everybody in here know what the lectionary is? Every once in a while, we were doing lectionary texts. And what lectionary was early church. They broke up. They said, hey, we want all the churches studying the same thing at the same time. So they broke it up into A, B, C, D, the years, you know. And there's always a gospel. There's a psalm, I think, a proverb, something. And then there's a... Um, there's like a wisdom book. There's a gospel letter. There's a, an epistle by Paul. Everybody, everybody's glazing over. But just, uh, just know that we're following a text that, you know, literally millions of Christians are studying this text right now. And so that draws, they, they kind of encourage you a little bit. But then also the lectionary text, it covers the Bible, kind of. <laughs> it covers all of the Bible except not all of the Bible. So they were like going out for like, hey, let's cover the whole Bible. But then they started to see these passages like this. And they're like, uh, maybe not this part. And they, <laughs> and they just pushed the fast forward button. Because that text that we skipped over between 5 and 13, it's really confusing because 
we, we, we're not in Paul's shoes. So it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult to see what he's talking about. How I link us to the passage, and this guy named N.T. Wright, he's a commentator, a British guy. He was, used to be the Archbishop of Canterbury. Um, now he's retired. I think he's officially retired. He's buddies with Tim McCalmont, which is crazy, because he's like one of the world-renowned theologians. And Tim McCalmont, you know the guy that I, you know, I'm following? You know, this is, a, this is a smaller church. I don't know if you knew that, but this is kind of a smaller church, and N.T. Wright's huge. Anyway, um, I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, N.T. Wright gives us me a solution for this. He's, he gives us that, til, that, that telescope illustration, and he says, you know, um, it's actually not that difficult because what you were, we're supposed to be getting out of this is how Paul continues in the Hebrew legacy of seeing the scriptures as speaking to now and asking questions that bring the Bible into your day, that bring the Bible into your life. And so the first application of reading this text, and by the way, First and Second Thessalonians, just a power punch. I've never really studied that, these books before or these letters, and I'm loving it. This is so good because the first application is breathe in the Word of God and have it seep into your conversations. If I have to hear another conversation about who's better, the Rams or the Chargers, I'm going to slap somebody. (laughs) You know, Red Sox. I I know there's Red Sox fans. I grew up in Massachusetts. I'm not a Red Sox fan. They stunk for a long time. Everybody, they let me down year after year. So eventually I just ditched baseball and I started watching hockey. So go Bruins. Anyway, seep into what, what does God think of Trump? What does God think of what's going on around the world on behalf of this country? What does God think of all the veterans, all the stuff that they've fought to provide and give us all these freedoms? What does God say about what that's going to right now? What does God say about are we citizens of heaven or are we citizens of the United States in this room? What does God say about that? What does God think about everybody in here? If I said, hey, would you die for your country? Most people would say, probably. If I said, would you fight for your country? Every single person would probably say yes if they called me to. Would you die for your following of God? Would you kill? Would you be in a war on behalf of God? questions like this. Everybody's like, what? What is this guy talking about? This is what Paul is wrestling with. And then he he says, I don't know. I don't know what's what. I don't necessarily know. All I do know is there is an evil one. There is an evil one. There is this guy. And what's he name him? Does anybody remember? I just read it. Anybody awake? Habla <laughs> inglés. What does they call him? It's like a comic book here, like a villain's name. What's that guy? The Lawless One. Does nobody else picture the Lawless One as a comic book guy? 
I'm the weird guy? No, I'm not. That's a comic book hero or like anti-villain, right? The lawless one, there's this lawless one that has yet to be revealed. And the day, Jesus is not going to return until the lawless one is revealed. I think the church, we tend to think, we, don't, we tend to forget about Satan. We tend to forget that there is an evil one and he's trying to take us out. I remember uh, I was living in Orange with my parents and uh, we, uh, Inlanders, my wife, that goes back to another sermon, but Inlanders had come down to the beach late at night and I don't know if it was against the law or not or whatever, cloudy night. Didn't, you couldn't see nothing. It was like pitch black. And my friend named Dan Ma, he says, this is a great idea. Let's try and run as close to the waves as possible and then get out of there. And we were down by the wedge. Have you ever been down there? What do we know about the wedge? They're called shore breakers. <laughs> the water rushes out. That means it's all sand. And then there's huge waves that just come in. Me and Dan Ma, we can't see nothing. I don't know why we're running towards the ocean. We run towards the ocean. We stop like this, and we're like, yes. And I can kind of see him, and I can see his teeth. He had a really white smile. And I'm like, yeah, boom. <laughs> we're knocked on our butts, and we're dragged out to sea in our clothes. And so that we, we barely made it out alive. So thanks for praying before you even knew me. I feel like that's where the church is at as far as the evil one. We don't recognize the dark spiritual forces. We don't recognize that there's the enemy and he's trying to take us out. And we're just standing in, 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 the, in the danger zone. And we have no, we have, we're not talking about it. We're smiling at one another. We're high-fiving. We're doing everything, but we're ignoring the hugest problem we have. Second thing you can kind of pull out of this, this first section. God is in control. It's, it's going to seem like chaotic, and it's going to seem messy. But in the end, God the Father is going to show up on the scene, and he's going to say, enough is enough. The other day, um, I was hanging out in my house, and I, was, when I, I had a cold a couple weeks ago, and I was, actually, I'd taken off vacation, and I got sick. Isn't that the worst? Anyway, that's another story. I'm sitting around, and I'm sick. I'm drinking Gatorade, watching movies, and my kids start blowing up, and they start yelling at each other. They're going, blah, 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 blah. Has anybody had children? <laughs> Have they ever fought? And I was like, I, I, I can't even get out of this bed to go scream at these people. <laughs> but then I hear Malia walking in from upstairs. And by the time she gets like halfway through the stairs, kids have quieted and gone to their corners. <laughs> <laughs> like my wife is coming back with my fighting children. <laughs> God is coming back. And there's nothing the devil or his minions can do about it. 
And he ends the chapter, interesting enough, he starts with the problem. Like, this is, this is real. This stuff is real. We got the devil on our heels, and he's trying to take us out. And then he goes to our motivation to how we are to fight it. And we've been singing about it, and we've been praying about it since we got here. And it's a major theme of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. Last week I was talking about how our gratitude for the church is an engine. This week, Paul says, our gratitude is our motivator. Our gratitude is what Danny was talking about. I could have not come up here because it was the children's message that was off the chain. Good job, Judy. And then what Danny was sharing, and then give thanks with a grateful heart. That's one of my all-time favorite tunes just because it brings me back to what the cross-section between the gospel and daily life is. It's gratitude. He ends this section, this, 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 this chapter, he says, I give thanks for you. And then he gives the nutshell of the gospel. What are we to be grateful for? What is to motivate us? What is, what is to be our, we go back and that's square one. You know, have you, I think I told that illustration of Vince Lombardi. He said, this is a football. Do you remember that? Was anybody here? Good job. What is that football? What is that to be grateful for? What are we supposed to cling to as the, as the waves rise and as the troubles hit? What are we supposed to be grateful for when my mom dies, when your best friend of 64 years dies, when, when you, the people that you're going through life with start falling away and there's divorces and there's hurt. What are we supposed to go back to? And he says, this is what you go back to. He says, I'm grateful to God for you. Why? Because God picked you. God picked you. God picked you. He, he chose you. Who's ever been in the, who's ever played kickball? Who's ever not been picked? This guy. This guy can't do any sports. I can barely, I don't know. It's a miracle I walked here. Anyway, God doesn't care about that. He picks you. It starts and it ends with that. His love for you is what we always need to come back to. His love for each and every one of us in this room and all around this place is the, is the seed, is the thing to go back to and say, I need to get my hands warmed again, God. I'm getting worked. I'm getting beaten up. What's going to keep me going? Coming back and saying, I'm picked by the God, the Alpha and the Omega, the guy who spoke the world into existence, the guy who breathes life, who picks up dirt and heals people with it through Jesus Christ. That God doesn't just like you, doesn't just put up with you, doesn't just tolerate you, loves you, adores you. He chose you. He picked you out, and he called you. Paul can't talk very long without giving us something to do, without giving us marching orders. He says, what do we, we go back to in our gratitude the fact that God has has chosen, has chosen you. But what, 
Where do you go there? Motivated to do what? He has called you. That's the next part of the scripture. Jesus chose you, God chose you through Jesus Christ. And Jesus has called you. You're not only saved from, you're saved to. There's an awesome quote by this dude, Barclay. Let's see if I can find it. Hold on. It develops in our, in our effort. The Christian is not called to a dream, but to fight. Not to stand still, but to climb. He is called not only to the greatest privilege, but also to the greatest task in the world. Get to it. That's what Paul, we're called to it. We're called to it. What is it? Be glorified in Jesus Christ. That's what he says. We're called to this mission of being like God. Sent to save the world. We're doing theology right now. This is deep, deep stuff. I don't know. Look around. Pat yourselves on the back. You're in a theology class 101. But Paul brought us here. What does that mean? We're called to be the glory of Christ. Who is Jesus? Savior, yes. Fully God, fully man. The sent one. Everything sounds better in Latin. Amen? <laughs> We're called to the Missio Dei. We're called to the mission, not of God, but the mission all God. As God sent his one and only son into the world, to the broken, to the, to the masses of the hurting, to the to the grimy. God is sending us. We are the sent ones. We are the glory of Christ in this place that is the world. Does everybody follow that? I just lost a lot of people. I got to tell a story. <laughs> right? That's what I do. And we're getting close to the end, so everybody hang on. Sorry that this has been a long service, but I, I, we need to hear this. We need to stick through this. We need to hear that God has chosen and picked you. He has called you. He is sending you. When's the last time you went anywhere because God sent you there? I ask that of the church of the United States. I ask that of the church of the world. The answer is usually maybe two years ago. Sorry if I look furious because I'm furious at myself. What was my story? My story is this, because we're going to keep cruising through the thing. How do we do this? How do we become missional? How do we get out in there? Paul leads us on and he says, you stand firm and you hold fast. You stand firm and you hold fast to what you've been taught. 
you stand firm and you hold fast to the people in this room. It's going to take us. My story, Ron Brown, I've already mentioned him before. He's the, he was the president of Teen Challenge. He was in Russia or Romania. Which one has the Black Sea? Both? What? Russia? Somebody's a teacher. He's either in Russia or Romania. Ron Brown, he's preaching, and he's, he's an Assemblies of God preacher, so it's more charismatic, and it's very spirit-filled and that kind of jazz, and he's an African-American, and he's just nailing it. He's just doing his sermon. All of a sudden, they bring in a possessed dude. There's four guys carrying this guy, and this guy, is, he, he's, he looks really strong to Ron, and, he, and, he's, and, he's, and he's like trying to get free and, be, and run away. These four guys have him by his limbs, and they pretty much drag him and put him right here, right at the front of the church. Ron Brown is like, what am I supposed to do with this guy? <laughs> and he starts talking to God, and notably he says, when you run into trouble, talk to God. That's a good idea, <laughs> right? This, is, this, isn't, this isn't rocking sites. He starts talking to God. He says, I don't know, I'm not an exorcist. I don't know nothing about casting out demons. I've never cast out demons, stuff like that. All of a sudden, he had in his mind his mentor's voice. And his mentor's voice spoke to him and said, this guy has two demons inside of him. He has the demon of confusion and he has the demon of fear. Bind up the, 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 the demon of fear and cast out the, the spirit of confusion. Ron Brown says, I think this, this guy has two demons inside of him. Everybody's like, whoa. <laughs> and he says, I got, he's got the fear and he's got this uh, chaos. Binds up the fear, kicks out the chaos. The guy stands up and they go baptize him in the Black Sea. Cling, stand firm to what you've been told, what you've been taught. Does anybody else have a voice inside of their head of a follower of God that taught you the ropes? Cling to that voice. Stand firm in that voice. How else do we make it through? How else do we get motivated? You remember Right at the end of this passage, he says this. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and through grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. What does that mean? It starts with God choosing you and you're going to make it and you're going to keep going through by God showing up and working through you. For time's sake, I won't tell any more stories. But think of a time in your life when you were walking and you did something that was better than you thought you could do. And a lot of times you got that mentor person's voice in your head and that had a part to play with it. But also, the Holy Spirit showed up in a huge way. And after you've gone through it, you look back and you say, there's no way I could have done that. Does anybody have a story like that? 
Good. Because I couldn't leave if, if no one else did. Because I'd have to tell you a story. That's another day. What's, how do we apply this? We stand firm, we hold on tight, and we celebrate the greatness of God and the truth that he chose you, called you, and has sent us into the darkest parts of this world. Let's stand and celebrate this by singing, O oh Jesus, I have promised. I stand, you are my God, 
may be seated. I am very loud. (laughs) Paul reminds us in Romans to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Please pray with me. Holy and merciful God, we praise and worship you this beautiful Sunday morning, and thank you, Lord, that you first loved us. Thank you, Lord, that we can worship Jesus freely and openly. We pray for those around the world who are persecuted and fearful because of their faith. Touch each one mightily that they may feel your very presence with them today. Father, we pray for a world in desperate need of you. We pray for your peace in Syria and in Turkey. We pray for your peace in Iran and the Middle East. 
We pray for your peace right here in our own country where bigotry, racial slurs, and violence toward one another have become commonplace. We pray for your mercy and grace to be a salve on our broken world. Show us our part in your peace plan. Lord, we continue to pray for your discernment for our elected officials, particularly Congress as they're dealing with all of the issues before them. We pray for your wisdom and your truth to prevail. Thank you, Lord, for all of the men and women who selflessly served our country and the armed forces. May they feel our warmth and deep gratitude for putting themselves in harm's way to protect our citizens, our freedoms, and our democracy. Show us our part, dear Lord, in your gratitude plan. As we bask in this beautiful Southern California weather, we are mindful of the severe weather elsewhere in our country. Lord, we pray for you to be with each of those affected by unseasonable cold and provide shelter and warmth for all who need it. Show us our part in your provision plan. Thank you, Lord, for healing and positive health reports for many of us. For those still undergoing health issues, we pray for your healing. For those dealing with unemployment, underemployment, or financial burdens, we pray for your provision. For those experiencing loss or grief, we pray for your comfort. We lift up Buzz Costlin, friends, and family as they grieve Joy's passing. We pray, too, for Joan Clamp's family and friends as they mourn her passing. May your comfort for all who grieve surpass our understanding. Show us our part in your consolation plan. We continue praying, Jesus, in the way that you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we continue in our worship, please stand for the hymn of commitment.
gosh, that's good, right? I just like to make note. That was a, I think that's the first service since I've been here that I haven't messed up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, take, <laughs> thanks for your patience. And uh, actually, I count that as a win, but still, Danny had to pick up the call for the offering. Did you notice that? <laughs> um, I wanted to put an end cap on this, on my sermon, because I had to cut a bunch of stuff just for time's sake. But I want to remind each and every one of us, this is a daily thing. Paul is writing to this, this small little church in Thessalonia that's a lot like this church with very faithful people that are really good at loving each other but need to get better at turning outward and going and letting people know that God absolutely adores the people over there at OCC, Costa Mesa High School, and the places that we've been placed in. So all throughout this week, when you're getting gas, when you're going to the grocery store, when you're, when you're doing your day-in, day-out tasks, cling to that truth that God has chosen you. And let that build in you a courage so that you might follow the call of God to be like Jesus to the people that, put, that God puts in your path. I went on a missions trip and my friend would always say, the person in front of you is the reason you're here. And that's true on a mission trip and that's also true in Costa Mesa, Newport, in Huntington Beach. The person in front of you at Ralph's is the reason you're in Ralph's. And phone call says, Jason, that's long enough. <laughs> may God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guard and keep you. And may the peace of Christ which transcends all understanding guard your heart and your mind today, tomorrow, and forevermore. May it be so. Amen.